Hoseman Horror House Podcast UK The Premature Burial by Edgar Allan Poe There are certain themes of which interest is all absorbing but which are too entirely horrible for the purpose a legitimate fraction. Those are the mere romantics must assume if he's not wished to offend or dis- to discuss, they with propriety handled only when the severity and majesty of truth sanctify and sustain them. We feel for examine, for example, the most intense of pleasurable pain over the accounts of the passage of Bernice, Bernice Virginia, of the earthquake at Lisbon, of the plague of light at London, a massacre of St. Bellefume, or the stifling of the hunt. 123 prisoners in the black hole at Calcutta. But these accounts, it is the fact, it is the reality, it is the history which it cites, and as inventions, we regard them with simple abhorrence. I have mentioned some few, some prominent and august calamities on record, but these is a distinct, but less the chapter of the calamity which so vastly impresses on the fancy. I need not remind the reader that from the long and weird catalogue of human miseries I might have selected many individual instances more repellent with essential suffering than any of those vast generalities of disaster. The true wretchedness indeed, the ultimate one, is peculiar but diffused. That the ghastly extremities of agony endured by man the unit, and never by man the mass. For this, let us thank a merciful God. To be buried alive is beyond question the most terrific of those extremities which has been ever fallen of the lot of mere mortality. That is a frequency very frequently so fallen will scarcely be denied by those who think. A boundaries of divide life and death are the best shadowy and vague. Who shall say where one ends and where the other begins? We know that they are they were diseases in which occur total sensations of all the apparent functions of vitality, and yet with these sensations are merely suspensions properly so called. The only temporary pauses in them incomprehensible mechanisms. A certain period elapses, and some unknown, unseen, mysterious principle again sits in the motion of magical pinions and wizard wheels. The silver cord was not forever loosened, but had broken, broken, irreparably broken. But where, meantime, was the soul? Apart, however, from the inevitable conclusion, a priori, what might cause, might produce such effects. That the well-known occurrence of such cases of splendid emanation might naturally give rise now and then to premature in- internments. Apart from this consideration, we have the direct testimony of medical and only experience to prove that a vast number of such internments have actually taken place. I might refer at once, if necessary, to a hundred well authenticated instances, 
of uh, one of the very remarkable character which the executives may be fresh in the memory of many of my readers occurred not long not very long ago in the neighboring ta- city of Badamore, which is occasionally a painful, intense, and bodily essential excitement. The wife of one of the most respectable citizens, a lawyer of eminence and a member of the Congress, was seized with a sudden and controllable illness, which completely buffeted the skill of her physicians. After some suffering, she died, or was supposed to die. No one ever, no one suspected, indeed, or had reason to suspect she was not actually dead. She presented all the ordinary appearance of death. A face as summed, the usual pinched and sulkered outline, a lips were the usual mouthful pallor. The eyes were lustless. There was no warmth. Pulsation had ceased. For three days the body was preserved unburied, during which it had acquired a stony rigidity. The funeral, in short, was hastened on account of the rapid advance of what was supposed to be decomposition. The lady was deposited in her family vault, which for three subsequent years was undisturbed. At, its, at the expiration of its term, it was opened for the reception of a sarcophagus. But uh, alas, how fearful! A shock awaited the husband, who, presumably knew, personally threw open the door as it portal swung outwardly back. Some white apparel object fell rattling within his arms. It was a skeleton's wife, in yet a mounded shroud. A careful examination rendered it evident. She had revived within two days after her entombment, and her struggles within the coffin had caused it to fall from a ledge or shelf to the floor, where it was so broken as if to permit her to escape. A lamp which had been accidentally left, full of oil within the tomb, was found empty. It might have been exhausted. However, by evaporation, on that most of the steps of which led down into the dread chamber, was a large fragment of the coffin, for which, with which it seemed she had endeavoured to arrest attention by striking the iron door. While thus occupied, she probably swooned possibly died through sheer terror in an infernal. A shroud became entangled in arms of iron, work which protected internally. Thus she remained, thus she remained, and thus she rotted, erected. In the year 1810, a case of living inhumanation happened in France, attended with circumstances which go far to warrant the assertion that the truth is, indeed, stranger than fiction. The heroine of the story was Mademoiselle Mitterrand La Forgade, a young woman of industrial family and wealth, a great personal beauty among the numerous tutors, was Julian Bosset, a poor literature of journalists of Paris. His talents and genial amenity had recognised in the notice of an heiress, by whom he seems to have been truly beloved, but her pride of birth decided him finally to reject him and to wed a Monsieur Renéria, a banker with diplomatics of some eminence. After the marriage, however, this gentleman neglected. Perhaps even more probably, he treated her, having closed past her with him some wretched years, she died, 
At least her condition so closely resembled death as to deceive every one who saw her. She was buried not in a vault, but in an ordinary grave in the village of the Nativity. Filled with despair and still inflamed by the memory of profound attachment, a lover's journey from the capital to the remote province in which the village lies, with the romantic purpose of disinterring a corpse and possessing himself of its electric tresses. He reaches the grave at midnight, he unnerves the coffin, opens it in the act of distraction the air. When he is arrested by the unclosing of the beloved eyes, he in fact In fact, the lady had been buried alive, but eternity had not altogether departed, and she was aroused by the caress of her lover from the negativity of her mistaken for death. He bore her frankly to his lodgings in the village. He employed certain powerful restoratives suggested by no little medical learning. In fine, she revived. She recognized her preserver. She remained with him until by slow degrees she fully recovered her only health the woman's heart was not adamant and this last season of love sufficed to soften it she bestowed it upon Busset. she returned no more to her husband but concealing from him her admiration fled with her lover to america twenty years afterwards and late too returned to france in the persuasion to that time was so greatly altered the lady's parents that her friends would not be unable to recognize her. There was a mistake, however. At the first meeting, Monsieur Rellel did actually recognize and make claim to his wife. That claim she resisted. A dutiful tribunal sustained her in a residence, deciding that the peculiar sentence which a long gaps of years had extinguished any equality, the legal authority of the husband. The General Lepsvig, a peritorial of the highest authority and merit, which some American booksellers would do well to translate, republished records in late number, a very distressing event in the character in the question. An officer of artillery, a gentleman giant in stature, of robust health upon throne from an unimaginable horse, received a very, a very Severe conclusion upon the head, which had rendered him insensitive at once. The skull was slightly fractured, but no immediate danger was apprehended. Transpanning was accomplished successfully. He was a, he was bled, and only uh, many other the only means of relief were adopted. Gradually, however, he fell into a more and more hopeless state of stupor, and finally he thought that he died. However, it was well warm. He was be- he was buried with indecent haste in one of the public cemeteries. His body took place on Thursday. On the Sunday following, the grounds of the cemetery were, as usual, much thronged with visitors. And, um, about normal intense enjoyment was created by the decoration of present there. <sighs> and an officer of an of an artillery, a man of genetic danger, over a self, a hell for being thrown from an unimaginable force, rendered 
received a very severe concussion upon his head, which rendered him insensible at once. The skull was slightly fractured, but no more immediate danger was apprehended. Tenth Panion was overcome by Sophesley. He had bled, and many other the only means of relief were adopted. Dreadly, however, he fell in a more and more hopeless state of stupor, and finally he thought that he died. However, it was warm, he was buried with instant haze in one of the public cemeteries. His funeral took place on Thursday. On Sunday, following the grounds, the cemetery were, as usual, much thronged with visitors. About noon, an intense excitement was caused by the declaration of the peasant that, while sitting under, upon the grave in the office, he was directly felt commotion on, of the earth, occasioned by some struggling beneath. At first, little attention was paid to the man's assertions, but this evident terror, with dogged obstinacy with which he persisted his story, had led their natural effect upon the crowd. Bayes had currently On Sunday following the grounds of the seventy were, as usual, were much fun with visitors among the noon. About noon, an intense excitement was created by the decoration of President Sitting upon the grave of the officer, he distinctly felt the commotion of the earth, and the occasion of some struggling beneath. At first, little attention was paid for the man's assertions, but his evident terror as he dogged of stability, with much he persisted in his story at length from their natural effect upon the crowd. Spades were hurriedly procured. And the grave, which was extremely shallow within a few minutes, so far from open, that head of his occupant appeared. He then seemingly dead, but as he sat near erect within the coffin, the lid of which his furious struggles had partially uplifted, he is forthwith conveyed to the nearest hospital, and where pronounced to be still living, although in all through an emphatic condition. Some hours you ride recognize individuals of acquaintance in the broken centre spoke of his agonies in the grave. From that he released he was clear he must have been conscious of life. For more than an hour were inhumed, for lapsing into his insensibility, a grave was carefully carelessly and loosely filled with an exceedingly porous soil. Thus some air was necessarily emitted. He heard the footsteps of the crowd of unvoid overhead and endeavour to make himself heard. In turn, it was the tournament within the grounds of the cemetery, he said, which appeared to awaken him from a deep sleep. But no sooner was he awake, when he became fully aware of the awful horrors of his position. A patient, it is recorded, was doing well and seemed to be in a fair way of the ultimate recovery. A fellow victim to the crackeries of the medical experiment. A galvanic battery was applied. He was suddenly inspired in one of those ecstatic presidents which occasionally superduces the mention of the erratic galvanic battery nevertheless recalls to my memory a well-known and very strongly case in point where the action proved a means of restoring the emanation of a young attorney of London who had been interred for two days. This occurred in 18... 31, and created at a time a very profound sensation within the, within the subject of verse. 
A patient, Mr. Edward Stapleton, had died apparently of typhus fever, occupied with some anonymous symptoms which excited the curiosity of his medical attendants. Upon his seeing to see him seeming to decease, his friends were requested to sanction a post mortem examination, declining to permit it, as often happens, which when such refusals are made, the pressure moved to the A patient, Mr. Edward Stapleton, had died apparently of typhus fever, accompanied with some anonymous symptoms, which incited the curiosity of his medical attendants. Upon his seeming decease, his friends were requested to sanction a post-mortem from his explanation, but declined to permit it. As often happens with the, such refusals made, the petitioners resolved to disinter the body and dissect it at leisure in private. Arrangements were easily effected from some of the numerous corpses of body statues and Metro London abounds. Upon the third night after the funeral, the supposed corpse was unearthed from a grave eight feet deep. I deposited it in the opening chamber of one of those private hotels. A decision to some extent been actually made in the abdomen when the flesh and decaying appearance of the subject suggestive of an application of the battery. One experiment succeeded another. The customary effects of supersets that feed, feeded with nothing to characterize them in any respect except upon me of two occasions. One the only degree of life likeness of converse action. It grew late. The day was about to dawn. Its fault expended at length it received at once to its Inception, a student, however, was essentially delirious, as testing a theory of his own, and instead uh, insisted upon applying the battery to one of the rectal muscles. A rough crash was made, and the wire hastily brought in contact when the patient went with a hurried but quite obvious convulsive movement. Felt arose from the table, stepping into the middle of the floor, gazing about him uneasily for a number of seconds. Then, Spoke. What said was intelligible, but words were uttered. The syllabilization was distinct. Having spoken, he fell slowly on the floor. With some moments, all were paralyzed with awe, but the urgency of the case seemed restored with their presence of mind. It seemed that Mr. Stapleton was alive, although a swoon, although a swoon, but upon his precipitation of either revived was rapidly respond to health of the society of his friends for whom were, however all knowledge of his friends construction would be held be would be held far <sighs> oh, for some moments they were paralyzed with awe of the urgency of the case of when sooner restored them to the absence of mind. It seemed that Mrs. Stapleton was alive, for although a spoon upon the explanation of either he would ride, and was fully rapidly restored to health and to society of his friends, from whom, however, all knowledge of his reconstruction was withheld, until a relapse was no longer 
be apprehended. Their wonder, their rapturous astonishment may, may, may be conceived. The most thrilling particularly of this instance, nevertheless, was involved in what Mr. himself asserts, he declares, at no period was he altogether insensible. That the dull and confusedly he was aware of everything which happened to him, but the moment in which he was stanced dead by his position, so that he was all swooning to the floor and not so I'm alive with uncomprehended words, which, upon recognising his locality of his detective room, he had endeavoured his extremity to utter. It was an easy matter to multiply such histories as these, but I prefer bare for indeed. There's no need for such to establish the fact that premature interments occur. When we reflect now how very rarely for the case, number of cases we have in our power to detect them, we must admit that very many frequency occur without any weak, any confidence. Scarcely in truth is a graveyard ever encroached upon. For any purpose, to any great extent, the skeletons are not found in its postures, which suggest the most fearful suspicions. <coughs> <coughs> fearful indeed of suspicions, but more fearful of doom. It may be as assertive without hesitation that over no event so terrible will adapt to inspire the sureness of bodily and mental distress as boil upon the death. Endurable oppression of the lungs, the stifling fumes of the damp earth, the clinging to the death garments, the rigid embracement of the narrow house, the blackness of the, the, the absolute night, the silence like the, the sea over overwhelms the unseen but fallible presence of the conquer worm. These things with the faults of the air and grass above, with memory of dear friends who would fly to save us but unfold of our fate, with consciousness and of this fate they would never be informed of our hopeless position portion of what is that of the really dead these considerations i say carry that into the heart with still palpations of degree of appalling and tolerant horror for which the most daring imagination must recoil we know nothing we are so agonizing upon earth we can dream nothing half as hideous as the realms of the nebulous hell, and over thus all the narratives upon this topic have an interest profound, an interest nevertheless, for which, through the sacrifice of all of topic itself, very properly and very particularly depends upon our conviction of the truth of the matter narrated, which I now know to tell us of my own actual knowledge, of my own positive and personal experience. For several years I have attacked subject to tax a single disorder which physicians have agreed to term catalepsy in default a more deceptive title derivative finding title although more the immediate and more predisposing causes and even the actual diagnosis in this disease are still mysterious is obvious apparent correct in this subtlety and well understood it is variations seem to be chiefly of degree. Sometimes the patient lies for a day or even more for a shorter period. It's spe- species of a secret legacy. He is senseless and externally motionless, but the pulsation of the heart is still faintly perceivable. Such traces of warmth remain. 
A sight of colour lingers in the centre of the cheek upon the application of the mirror of the lung. The lips here protect the torpid, unequal, and vacillating action of the lungs. Then again, the duration of trance is for weeks, even for months, while the clo- close security and most rigorous medical tests fail to establish any material dis- dis- distinction between the state of the sufferer and what we conceive of absolute death. Very, in, very usually, it's saved from the premature interment solely by the, the knowledge of his friends, which he been previously subject to collapse. By the consequent suspicion excitement, above all by the non experience of decay, the advances of the manly are lucky, gradual, and most first manufactures. Although marked are incredible, grow successfully more and more distinct and endures each the longer term the proceeding of these lies of princely security, humiliation. The, the, the most fortunate which first attack should be extreme character for its occasionally seen, almost invariably consigned alive to the tomb. My own case differs, is not important, peculiar, for those mentioned in medical books. Sometimes without many any apparition calls, I sank little by little in the condition of hemisoracopy, or half-swoon. And this condition, without pain, without ability to stir, seeking, strictly speaking, to think, with a dull, lethargic conscience of life, and a presence of those who surrounded my bed, I remain until the crisis of the disease has drawn me suddenly to a perfect sensation. At other times, I was quickly and perfectly smitten. I grew sick and numb and chilly and dizzy, and so fell prostrate at once. Then for weeks all were void and black and silent. Nothing became the universe. Total annihilation would be no good, no pos- no more. From these latter attacks I awoke, however, with a graduation slow, proportion and suddenness of the seizure, just as they dawns of the friendless and houseless beggar, who roams the streets throughout the long dusty winter nights, just so tradily, tradily, so just as so really, just so cheaply, cheerily, came back the light of the soul to me, apart from the tendency to transfer, however my good health obeyed appeared to be good. Nor could I perceive that it all affected by one prevalent mainly, indeed, indeed an incredulity of my only sleep may have been looked upon and superduced upon waking from slumber, I could never gain, never gain at once through possession of my senses, almost remained for many minutes in much bewilderment and perplexity, the mental felicities of the general, but the memory of the essential being in condition of absolute obedience. In all those I endured, there was no physical suffering, but no mortal distress on the vineyard. My fancy fell channel. I talked to worms of, of tombs and epitaphs. I was lost in verities of the death, death and the idea of premature burial, held congenial possession of my brain, the ghastly danger to which I was subjected haunted me day and night. In the former, the torture of medication was was excessive. Chief in the later supreme, oh, grim darkness overspread the earth. Then the, mo- the very horror of thought I shook, shook of the quivering plumes upon the hearse. For the nature of endure, weakness no longer. 
It was a struggle I consented to sleep, but I shuddered to reflect upon waking. I find myself the tenant of a grave. Then finally I sink into slumber. It is only to rush into one into the world of phantoms, phantoms which wall above which with vast stable overshadowed wing a hovered predominant of any sophistry idea. From the normal um, images of gloom and thus oppress me into the dreams, I select for record but solitary vision. Methought I was immersed in the catapultic trance of more than usual duration, and profoundly suddenly there was an icy hand upon my forehead, an impatient, dreaming voice whispering the word arise within my ear. I sat erect, the darkness total. I could see not I could not see the figure of him who had grounds me. I could call to mind neither the period of which I had fallen into the trance, nor the locality in which I lay. Why I remained motionless and busied in endeavours to collect my thought. A cold hand grasped me fiercely by the wrist, shaking it paternally within the gibbering voice stayed again. Arise! Did I not bid thee arise? And who, I demanded, art thou? I have no name of it, isn't that which I have it? replied the voice mournfully. I was mortal, but I am fiend. I am merciless, but I am pitiful. Thus dost feel that I shudder. My teeth shudder that I speak, yet I do not have, not with the chilliness of the night. Or the night within the end, but in this hideous insufferable, thou canest, thou tranquil sleep. I cannot rest for the cry of those great agonies. These sights are more than I can bear. Get thee up, come with me to the altar of the night, and get let me and fall to the grave. It is not the spectacle one behold. I looked at this unseen figure, which still grasped me by the rest, and caused me to throw open the grave of all mankind, which every, from each issue the faint phosphonic radiance of decay. Of what I could see was in the most recesses of those shrouded bodies, in their sad, solemn slumbers with the worms. Alas, the real sleepers were fewer. By many millions that they were great, those who slumber not at all. Those it was a great struggling and world was simple, sad unrest from out the depths of the country's pits where they, they, some molecule was rushing from the garments of the buried. For those who so, seem tranquil to expose, I say that the vast number of change is greater than or lesser degree, rigid and unnecessary position in which they had originally been entombed. A voice said to me as I gazed, It is not, oh no, not a pitiful sight. Before I find words to reply, the figure ceased to grab my wrist. A her hoskalic lights expired. The graves were closed with sudden violence. While from out them rose a summit of despairing cries, saying, It is not, O oh God, it is not a very pitiful sight. Fantasies which were presenting themselves at night extended their horrible, terrific influence. Far into my waking hours, my nerves came. Through and sung, I fell a prey to paternal horror. I hesitate to ride or to walk or to indulge in any exercise that might carry me from home. In fact, I no longer trust myself 
out of immediate presence of those who are aware of my potence of capacity, these falling into one of, the, of my unusual fits. I could be buried because the real condition could be asserted. I doubted the care, the frequency, my dearest friends. I dreaded that in some trance of mild and cursory deterioration, it might be prevailed upon to regard me as recoverable. I may, I even went so far to fear that as occasioned much trouble was might be glad to consider any very protracted attack or a significant excuse for getting rid, rid of me altogether. It was vain of any endeavour to sure me the most promised sudden promises i strike the most sacred oaths of under my no sentences would bury me until with the composed so materially advanced as to render further preservation impossible and then when my own moral terrors would have listened to no reason would accept no consolation i entered into a series of elaborate precautions among them, among things, I had family vault so remodelled to admit of being readily opened within, from within, a slightest pressure upon a long lever which extends far into the wound, to cause the iron portal to fly back. There were arrangements also for the free emission of light and air, a convenience for receptacles for food and water, within the immediate reach of the coffin intended for my reception. This coffin was formed with a more softly padded and provided with a lid fashioned upon the principle of the vault door. A addition of springs so contrived that the feeblest movement of the body would be sniffed and set it liberally. Besides all this, and was suspended from the roof of my tomb, a large bell, the rope of which was designed, which was suspended for a hole in the coffin, to be fastened to one of the hands of the corpse. But, alas, what avails the vigilance about against the destiny of man? But even with these well-contrived securities suffice to save from the utter most enemies of living immolation. A wretch to those agonies foreboded. There ride an equinox, as often before had arrived, in which I found myself emerging in total unconsciousness in the most feeble and indefinite sense of its instance, slowly the totus graduation approached the faint grey dawn of physical day, a trepid uneasiness, a prophetic endurance of dull pain, no care, no pain, no effect, no care, no hope, no effect. Then, after a long interval, a ringing in my ears, then with a light still long, a prickling or tingling cessation of extremities within a seemingly eternal period of perpetual crisis, during which awakening feelings are struggling into the thought, then a brief resinking of free non-entity with sudden recovery. At length the, t- the sight, quivering of an eyelid and immediate upon electric hook of terror, a deadly and invented, which sees the blood in torrents from the temples of the heart. 
They are the most positive effect to think. They are the most endeavour to endure, remember. Now a potential and essence for success. Now the memory is so far gained in domination, and in some measure I was consentment of my state. I felt I am not waking from only sleep, or reflect I have been subject to capacity. And now, at last, as my rush of an ocean, my suddenly spirit is overwhelmed by one green danger, my body by one spectral and ever-prevalent idea. For some minutes after this fancy possessed me, I remained without motion, and why? I could not summon courage to move. I did not make the effort which to, to satisfy my fate. And yet there was something at my heart which wished to me to, to be sure of despair, which to no longer species of recklessness ever caused it to be. Despair alone urged me to, after long irresolution to lift the heavy eyes from my little eyes. I lifted them, it was dark, all was dark. I knew I was fit, it was over. I knew the crisis of my disorder long past. I knew it totally recovered the use of my original fertilities, yet it was all it was dark, all dark, the intense and utter rainless of the night indefinite anywhere. I endeavoured to shriek, my lips and my parchment tongue moved conversely together in an attempt. But no sound issued from the curl of his lungs, the pressure as far as the weight of some incumbent mountains grasped and palpated with a heart of every elaborate and struggling inspiration. The movement of the jaws in this effort to cry alone showed me that they bound up, as usual, within the dead. I felt, too, I laid upon some hard substance, where something similar by my sides were also closely compressed. So far I had not ventured to stir any of my limbs, which I finally threw to my arms. I had been lying at length with a wrist crossed. I struck a solid wooden substance which extended above my person to an elevation not more than six inches above my face. I could no longer doubt I reposed. Within a coffin at last, and now amid all my intermittent reveries, some sweetly came sweetly the trail of hope. For well, I thought my my compulsion, I withered, made some searches to force upon the lid. It would not move. I felt my wrist for the bill. It would not be found. Then the comforter fled for ever. I still stood in its fair rain triumphant, but I could not help perceiving the absence of padding which I could had so carefully prepared. And then, then too, came the sudden of my nostrils, a sudden peculiar odour of most earth. The conclusion was irresistible. I was not within the vault. I had fallen in a trance my absence, while home alone, while from home while from among strangers then when or oh, how i could not remember it was how it was it was they who had buried me as a dog nailed me in some common coffin and thrust me deep down forever into some ordinary and nameless grave as this awful conviction forced us itself for us in the most chambers of my soul. I once again struggled to cry aloud. In this second endeavour I succeeded, a long wind rolled, and continuous shriek of yell of agony resounded through the grounds of subterranean night. Hello, hello there, said a gruffy voice in reply. What's the devil matter with the matter now? she said a second. Get get out of that, said a third. What do you mean by yelling in the 
their kind of star like cattle mountain to the fourth of here hereupon I seized and shaken without semi for several minutes. My judge was a very tough look looking individual, but not to rouse me from my slumber, for I was wide awake when I screamed, when he restored me to my full possession of my memory. This adventure of near Richmond at Rent, Virginia, occupied by a friend that he was preceded upon a running exposition, some miles down the banks of the river. Night approached and we were overtaken by a storm, a cabin with small loat, so lying at the anchor of the stream and laden with God mode afforded us a lovely vegetable shelter. We made the best fit and passed the night on the board. I stepped in one of the twenty only two berths in the vessels. A berth at a slope of sixty or twenty tons needed, scarcely be described. Why not why I occupied there no bedding of any kind, extreme wealth weight was eighteen inches distance of the bottom from the deck overhead was precisely the same. I found it no matter to see me difficulty to squeeze it myself in. Nevertheless, I, might see, I felt sleep standing, soundly in the whole of my vision, for it was no dream, no nightmare. I rose and actually for success of my vision, from my only bias of the fault, and from the difficulty which I have alluded, of collecting my senses, and especially by remaining my memory. For I, for a long time, lying awake from slumber, a man shook me from the crew of the slope, and some labourers had engaged to unload it, but well, the load itself came from earthly smell. A bondage for about the jaws was a silk handkerchief for which I bound my head, in default of my customary nightcap. A torture to endured, however, and indubitably quite equal for the time to choose an actual suppler. They were fiercely fearful, fearfully, they were inconceivably hideous, but not but evil succeeded to good. This expressed brought my soul in every revulsion. My soul required tone, required temper. I thought I went aboard. I took rigorous exercise. I breathed the air free of heaven. I thought upon other subjects of death. I discarded my medical books. Broken, I burned. I read no, I read no night thoughts. No, no frustration about churchyard. No boo boo stole. Oh, such as as it such as this. In short, I became a new man, lived a new man's life. A memorable night, I dismissed forever my channel apprehensions, and within them vanished a cabalistic disorder, which perhaps they had been less than coincidental cause. There are moments when, even sober, I reasoned to a world of our humanity may resume the semblance of a hell. But the imagination of man is no colourless, no display with impurity. It is every cavern. Alas, the grim region of secular terrors cannot be regarded as almost fanciful. But as the demon said in his, in whose country, company you have made no longer. The torches endured, however, the invalidity of fulfilled the time of the actual surplus. They were fearful that it was conceivably hideous, but of evil protected good. But they very space, very excess of water, my spirit, and venerable reverence. My soul acquired tone, acquired temper. I went aboard, I took out rigorous exercise, I breathed the free air of heaven, I fought upon 
of the subject of death. I discarded my medical clothes, but I can I burned. I read no night thoughts, but no fresh sin about churchyards, no boo-boo tales such as, as at thus, as this. In short, I became a new man, lived a man's life with a moment light. I dismissed forever my channel apparitions, and with them vanished a calamic disorder, of which perhaps they had always less than conquests and the cause, for there are moments when, to the sober eye of reason, the world of our sad humanity may assume the semblance of hell, but the imagination of man is no colobus, though explore the immunity of every cavern. Thus the grim regions of the scandal terrors cannot be regarded as altogether fanciful, but like the demons of which shall obey, as Sedefed, which made his voyage down the Oxford he must sleep, or he will do of ours. He might be suffered to slumber, or we perish. <laughs>